Welcome back to another episode of The Honest Hour. On today's episode, we are talking about men's mental health. Today, I am joined with two special guests, Jonathan Watkin and Raza Malik, and they will be sharing their experiences with men's mental health, its presence in the workplace, and their overall take on the general topic. So without further ado, I'll give them the floor to introduce themselves. Thanks, Alessia. Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Watkin. I'm Alessia's brother and a good friend of the other guest on the podcast, Raza Malik. I grew up in Burlington and uh, went to Queen's University for business. And then after graduating about just over two years ago, I spent some time in New York working in finance and recently came back home during all this COVID craziness. Um, that's my story, so I'll pass it off to Raza. I'm Raza. I said thank you for having both of us on. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, I'm Raza. Obviously, I'm friends with Jonathan and friends with Alessia due to Jonathan. Um, I went to Queens as well. I studied economics and then I went on to work in sports, mainly as a player representative where you, know, you just help with their day-to-day lives, their contracts, anything really in general. Um, you know, it's been, it's been interesting, lots of ups and downs, but I'm glad to share some stories here today. So like Raza and Jonathan had said, um, Jonathan is my brother. He is the oldest out of our family. So my sister was on the podcast previously, and now I have my brother on, so you get the whole family. But Raza is also part of our family, too. He's been around for a long time. So like he said, from association with Jonathan, he is stuck with me uh, for his benefit. Um, But yeah, so thank you guys for coming on the podcast. I am very happy to have you here. I obviously wanted you guys on the podcast to one, talk about men's mental health, because as a female, I'm not able to really touch on the topic, but also because obviously you guys are both brothers in my life and um, I appreciate your perspective on things and your opinions. And so I kind of wanted to hear what your take was on all of it and its presence in your life. So I guess with that being said, we can kind of start talking about it. So Jonathan, you work in investments and Raza, you work as an MLB player agent. Do you find that your work takes a toll on your mental health? So if one of you want to start and then you guys can kind of chat. Yeah, I'll start. So when I first started doing this, I was seven, I was 18 and I didn't really know how it all worked. Um, I didn't have much experience kind of understanding, you know, the day-to-day life and the stresses that takes outside of school. Um, and then, you know, when I started, you know, full time here, or even in my third year of school, I realized how stressful it really is. And for me being, you know, working for a smaller company, it's really tough competing with all these larger firms on, you know, acquiring these players or trying to sell yourself. So these players will, you know, want to sign with you. So early on, a lot of it was, you know, constantly stressing and, and overthinking almost every single aspect of you know, the entire job. So you'd stay up sometimes all night because you couldn't sleep because your, your mind's rolling. And this industry is also not very easy. It's kind of cutthroat and very greasy in a way. Um, I think a lot of guys in the same industry would say the same thing because even if you represent a player, there's always another agent out there trying to steal that player from you. Yeah. So sometimes it, it could even be as small as, you know, a client texting you one word answer as opposed to longer sentences. And as childish as that sounds, like that, that starts getting you think like, why is he being so quiet? Why is he being so distant? Or all that. And then that keeps you up at night. Okay. What can I do better? How can I make this, you know, work? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took a while, like it took a couple of years. I talked to a lot of people, talked to my boss as well about how, you know, he kind of keeps going and, and, you know, not worrying about every little thing. And as I kept going and as I kept, you know, kind of learning and getting more experience, 
I realized how to compartmentalize uh, certain things. So opposed to just stressing over everything and worried about what's, what one person says or what, if we don't sign a player, if a player goes somewhere else, it's more just, you know, trying to keep fighting and to live another day. So you're not killing yourself wondering about one thing. And all you got to do is, you know, do all you can. And at the end of the day, it's not up to you. It's up to the player. If he likes you, he'll stay. If he doesn't, it's up to him. But it's all about, you know, finding a way to keep pushing through and not getting the small things to kind of bog you down all the time or keep you up at night, all night. Yeah, that's a good point, Raza. Like, I think industry agnostic, that really applies um, across a number of different fields. Like for me, coming out of Queens, I entered the finance world, I guess, probably the same age, you know, during our internships at Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, or I actually went to San Francisco for a bit, totally new city, uh, new people, new uh, you know, starting off my professional career, there was, a, and this was in investment banking. Um, and th- there, it was a little bit different than baseball. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. There was a stigma around the industry with, you know, having the expectation of long hours, um, pressures from everybody around you and all the work streams you're working on, um, as well as just like a lot of like, not a lot of free time, like even on weekends and weekdays, just like always getting, you know, crazy busy with work so I kind of knew what I was getting into so I guess that would be the one Mm -hmm. difference but still uh you know you you kind of just learn over time or at least I had to adapt and learn over time like how to not get bogged down by the little things Mm -hmm. uh you know whether it's wondering if you did a good job on something and waiting for someone to say something you know or whether it's no one responding to your email for a couple days and Mm -hmm. just waiting like okay should I ping him for the fourth time uh (laughs) And, and I really think like, it, it's hard to do that, especially in like a high demanding, high pressure environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, since San Francisco, I came back to Toronto for another internship, also in finance. Then I was in New York for two years. Um, so I was, I was back away from home again. And one of the things I rely on now is my support system with my friends and family to just help me not get bogged down by those little things. And being in New York, really helped me realize like how important that support system is and, and whether that's reaching out to colleagues, asking them like how they're dealing with this, like the same way Raza reached out to his boss, you know, I'd reach out to mine or I'd, you know, I'd call my parents on the walk to work or FaceTime Raza and my friends, like, you know, during my lunch break. So, you know, I think yeah. it's just having like a good support system just to kind of like distract you from those little things as well as just to make sure you don't overthink it. Yeah, and, and family helps a ton too because you know moms and dads always make everything more positive than negative. So if you're you know doom and gloom, they'll find a way to you know think about it on the brightest side possible. Maybe not even realistic, but I'll kind of change your mind for a little bit. But yeah, it's it's interesting. And then for you, you know, being away for two years, and then for me, I travel all the time. So it's you know months of the year, it's, it's away from home, it's away from you guys, and then it's also now with this pandemic stuff, it's you know it's quarantining for two weeks by yourself most of the time. And that's yeah. also a huge buzz kill because that takes away almost a month of your time. You go for two weeks, you go to quarantine for two weeks, there's a month. And so I was, you know, how do I make up for that? How do I, you know, keep pushing through all these stupid quarantines, which are extremely valid and, I'm, and I appreciate them. And I do it <laughs> and, I, and I quarantine every time to the fullest extent, but it's, it's still tough to kind of manage through that. Yeah. Like one of the ways I, you know, I, I kind of distract myself from all the high pressures, or at least I, what I try to do to distract myself from the high pressures of my job. And, and I'm sure everyone, everyone handles things differently. Some people um, like to keep busy, like me, like I like to move around, stay active, talk to people, socialize a bit, then put my head down and do my work and just kind of like find those little breaks throughout the day to, 
to just, you know, yeah. have a conversation with somebody and yeah, COVID makes it hard, but um, it still doesn't like stop you. We have, we have access to FaceTime and uh, messaging and, and, you know, like we're in a fortunate position to live near a lot of families. So I can just like walk over and, and uh, hang out with my cousins. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, last time I was in quarantine, I did a juice cleanse because I was just so, <laughs> so, so bored and, and lonely. I thought, hey, maybe I'll just try one of these. That wasn't a good idea. We're never going to do one again. But just another fun fact about my quarantine. I think we yeah, did, I did a juice, juice cleanse at home. Same time. Same time. Yeah. Same yeah. time. I didn't feel it's a farm boy. <laughs> yeah, farm boy. Yeah. Shout out to farm boy. Yeah, I... um. I obviously am at a different position than you guys. I'm in my fourth year, so I haven't really reached that part where I'm out of school and in a full-time job where you kind of are completely an adult at that point. Like that's your cement block of saying you are in adulthood. And for me, at least that kind of freaks me out a bit is I know that mental health is an isolating thing to begin with, but getting more into adulthood where you have a job with all these demanding things, demanding tasks, hours, et cetera, that could also become like very isolating. So it's good to hear that you guys have found ways to kind of deal with that isolation um, and to work with it. Like Raza, you had said, like compartmentalizing it. So rather than just hitting each thing and not sleeping on the one thing, you're kind of just working with it and getting through it. And Jonathan, like you said, <clears throat> keeping a social circle that you can um, rely on and have support from is so important. And I think those are two things that are definitely huge as you get older. And I've come to learn this as I get older and not to say like, I'm very old, like I'm 21, but I've come to learn it and like seeing you guys do it and my family members do it. I've come to learn kind of how to be an adult in a way. And um, I think that's a big thing. And with mental health in the workplace, I think a big thing of being able to deal with it is learning how to, not how to properly adult, but how to approach things the right way and to not, like you said, Raza, like take everything to heart. Um, maybe you guys want to talk about if mental health is a topic that is talked upon in the workplace. Yeah, I, I can jump in. Um, for me, I'm fortunate to work for a pretty large company. So I'd be curious to see, you know, what Raza has to say, just given that, um, like the size of my company is, is like crazy in terms of headcount relative to, um, to true gravity. But the, you know, what, what we have at, uh, at, a, at OTPP, which is where I work is a really good um, wellness initiative, where every day, uh, there's webinars you can like join to whether it's like yoga in the morning or meditation throughout the day or a, a, a teach-in session at night. They, they offer these like weekly uh, like sessions, which is pretty cool. And there's a lot of encouragement throughout the organization to actually take a wellness day, um, which is different than vacation days, which, which you know, I didn't have at my previous firm, um, as well as just a lot of encouragement to use all your vacation days. So I feel like there's a big emphasis um, with the organization I'm currently at, just making sure that, you know, people have the resources they need to either get that support system um, or get those breaks throughout their day to just, you know, take, take away from uh, their day-to-day -day work. Yeah. And for us, it's, it's more, so the athletes we work for are, I pretty much include them as the people that I work with. And for them, 
you know, it's just, we've started putting a big emphasis on the mental side of the game, the mental health of the game, because in baseball, especially, it's a very tough sport in a way where even if you fail seven times out of 10, you're still a very, very good player. So all that failure can, you know, really get to a lot of people and get to a lot of these guys. And as much as these guys want to be strong and, and you know, athletes and that type of person, we try to dig in deeper with these guys. And, and we've kept an open forum with all of our guys. Whenever they want to talk about anything like that, uh, we, we, we listen, we talk, we talk back, we share our own situations, their situations. We also brought in uh, a mental, a mental health expert to come in and talk to our guys. Uh, they do a call, I think every couple of weeks where they'll check in with the guys, see kind of where they are mentally, and especially in a year like this, where a lot of their seasons got canceled because of the virus that, you know, they're feeling down. They're feeling like, you know, their dreams about to end and just kind of pushing through that. So we do put a big emphasis on that. And every time we talk to any of our guys, it's more of, you know, how are, how are you, not like how, you, how are you doing athletically or how well are you playing, but how are you in general? Because a lot of these guys won't, won't want to talk about it very openly. And we keep trying to push the envelope so they will. And as of late, you know, these guys, they're very open to talking and we never really saw that coming. And, you know, when guys go through slumps or they're not playing very well, or they are playing very well, all those different times, you'll hear kind of the different situations they're dealing with, whether it's, you know, family, you know, parents being sick, or it's just performance on the field, all that stuff's like compounding, as well as you being on the road for, you know, eight months in a year, not seeing anyone except for, you know, the teammates that you have, it does play a big role. So we, we try to emphasize as much as we can on trying to get them to talk as much as possible and get to see, you know, what they're seeing and what their side of the, the ball is. It's good to hear that both of your, cause you guys are from different kind of fields of work, John, you're more in a place of work where you could feel more isolated. So it's nice that to hear that they have implemented certain things to ensure that people like their employees are um, being taken care of. And Raza, it's nice to hear that you're working directly with the players on it. Cause I think an athlete's mm-hmm. mental health is so big, um, especially right now, like you had said, a lot of athletes, like this is their life. Like their baseball is, this is their entire life. So now with COVID kind of stopping everything, like it, it could definitely rock a lot of people's world. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to hear that um, where you guys are working, there are implementations of uh, mental health care um, and also it's nice to know that you guys are aware of them. I know that like a lot of companies don't really make it aware at Western, at least I've had like a lot of issues with the mental health services. It's not very public. I mean, they've made it more public over the years, but that's just because of all the issues they've had. So it's nice to hear that you guys are aware of it. It's nice to hear that it's there and yeah, that people are using it, especially at a time with everything that's going on. Research has shown that this is a big year on mental health spikes, suicide spikes, addiction, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So right now and all the years to come from it are going to be huge on mental health. So right now is kind of a big time to really kind of hit it on the head and be like, okay, let's start talking about it. Let's start making a difference. So the fact that you guys are working with your players directly now is so big because obviously Mm -hmm. this will affect how they perceive their future. Exactly. Raza, you had said that a lot of the players may not feel comfortable enough to come out and talk about it. And that Mm kind of leads to last week. I had a conversation with one of my best friends, Lucas, Lucas Plata on the podcast. And he had discussed the struggle of being a male and mental health issues and how it was a big issue to be able to find support and talk about it, especially being a male. So I was wondering if 
as a male, what is your experience with mental health and the stigma that surrounds it? Um, so, so I think when we were in high school, maybe eight or nine years ago, it was different than it is now. I mm-hmm. think back then, it, it was sometimes even seen as a sign of weakness to show any kind of emotion in any way, good or bad. And I think where we are now is, is, is a lot better because, you know, we've, what, we've dealt with, with friends of ours who've, who've had issues with it. We had issues like that in high school. We had friends who, who were kind of battling that stuff, but none of the guys did. And now, you know, you talking to guys, you can, it's, people are opening up more and they'll say, you know, I'm not right, or I'm not a hundred percent, or I'm not feeling that good, or I hate this, or I'm not happy with my job, or I'm not happy with this. And then there's more dialogue now than there's ever been, which I think is, is a great sign because a lot of times guys will keep it quiet for the reason to feel strong and that they're not weak and all that, which is, which is nonsense. But uh, that is just the way people perceived it then. And as we've seen the last little bit, especially in a year like this, a lot of people have been more open to talk about it and dealing with the issues they have. And you'll see it more public, which is, which is great. And I think, I think we're heading in the right direction. I don't think we're there yet where everyone will be very open to talk about it all the time. But I think it's all about creating a, a system where, not a system, but creating a, a surrounding of, of your friend group where everyone is you know, open to talk about those things and it's not seen as a negative. It's just seen as people talking about a regular thing. Yeah, and, and that, like on that point, I think you know, men's mental health, like the factors that impact men's mental health are, are different than the factors that might influence uh, women's mental health. And I think a lot of that comes down to like, you know, societal norms, like what Raza said around, um, you know, the, the, you know, the stigma around showing emotion, right? Like, I totally agree with that, as well as also just other pressures that come with, um, you know, being strong, being secure, not like not showing vulnerability, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And a lot of that kind of gets locked up within an individual and, and can lead to, you know, more harm down the road. So uh, you know, I think the stigma definitely exists with men's mental health. I think it is getting um, a conversation uh, now versus a couple of years, like many years ago when we were in high school where, you know, no one really talked about it. And I, I didn't really see that many guys showing it relative mm-hmm. uh, to the girls. Um, but, it, you know, everyone, everyone has mental health, obviously. It's just the factors that impact one's mental health are shown in different ways. And I think just the, the guys just didn't show it the same way that girls were. And that, that has to go with uh, many things. Yeah. I think also the way you've been raised in a way, um, the way your dad kind of handled issues and pressures and emotions of his life. And if he kind of kept it, you know, very locked up, that would kind of, you know, relate to you where you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to be like him mm-hmm. without showing all too much and kind of being strong and for the family and all that. And I think, you know, as you grow older and as you, see the issues that are, that are arising everywhere in your life or in someone else's life, there is always that thought is like, you know, like I got to be strong. I got to, you know, never go, never get too high, never get too low, kind of stay even keel throughout. But then there are situations where you should talk to someone because if you don't, it's only going to hurt you even more. And um, I don't think our parents age don't understand that on, on the adult level. So I'm hoping that, you know, it gets carried down with us so that when, when we're raising our kids, they are also kind of more aware of everything that's going on opposed to just bottling everything up. Yeah. There's been like a huge education push. Like I, I don't know nearly as much. Like, I know a little bit about mental health now, like because education, like I'm starting to be educated on the topic. But, like five years ago, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you that, like couldn't even tell you anything. Um, right. You know, and I think the podcast, like what Alessia is doing here is a great way to start the conversation. And I think there's a lot of, 
foundations out there that are trying to start a conversation. There's just a lot more, um, you know, effort and energy being put into this now versus mm-hmm. many years ago. So, you know, I, I don't blame our parents for, for no. not, not uh, you know, for living, for living even keel or, or not, you know, not having that, but it, it does show progression um, throughout the generations for sure. Being able to put it more. Their parents, obviously, back then, mental health was kind of, it was a myth. It wasn't really something that existed. If you had, if you were struggling through mental health, it's kind of like a slap on the back of the head and then you're fine, get on with your day kind of sort of thing. But um, now I guess, I, you're right, like the education has been increasing like significantly. We talk about mental health so much more than we ever had before kids are being educated on it more than they have before, which is so good. And it's so nice to like, see those things. It just sucks though, because we're at a place right now where we're, we are recovering from the damage because of a lack of education in the past. Our parents and generations prior to us didn't really know about much about mental health. So therefore we're kind of making a weaker support system for us. However, Raza, like you had said, hopefully when we're older, now that we are so educated on the topic, our kids won't struggle to the extent, or at least know that they do have a lot of support and it is something Mm -hmm. that they can talk about. And it's something that you can find comfort in other people in. Jonathan, you had also said that a lot men's mental health issues differ from women's mental health issues. And I really agree with that because I think for women, it is, it's good. I feel like women feel more comfortable to talk about their emotions and to show emotions and to be more expressive. And Lucas had even mentioned this in his podcast was that as a male, he felt like it was like, he was the only one that showed his emotions and that it was a big thing for him to hide his emotions because if he did show his emotions and it just made him look all these different things. So with men's mental health, there's obviously different factors that affect it. And I think that those differences is why men find it so hard to talk, come out and talk about, because I think we so often talk about a woman's struggles with mental health rather than talk about a male's struggles with mental health. And I think that just comes down to the idea that, not the idea, but just the knowledge that men's mental health is very brushed over and it's not focused upon. And I I feel like it's not necessarily taken serious enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you guys can probably agree with that or disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't studied the stats or else I'd start laying on some stats, but yeah. it definitely like from my yeah. personal experience, you know, for whatever that's worth, take it with a grain of salt if you want. But, um, you know, from my personal experience, I, I, I do agree that men's mental health does get overlooked. Um, and whether that's, you know, just men not, not, not showing it properly, um, not properly, but just not showing it or, um, if it's just kind of brushed over um, by others, and yeah, I think men have a can can hide it better too, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you can be two different people, and you know you could be happy and jovial and doing all that stuff in front of everyone, and then when you go home, you're a completely different person. And I think a lot of times we try to do that if if we're feeling something like that, where we'll just try to be try to put up a strong front, and a lot of times we'll sweep under the rug. Where even if, for example, if someone is that happy in, in person, and then you find out that they're dealing with all these mental health issues, you probably won't believe it. Like, oh, how is that possible? Like, he's so happy. He's so great. But then they are dealing with it on the other side. 
So it's tough for us to even have conversations like that with our friends because we don't, because obviously, you know, when we're all hanging out, no one's, you can, you can, you can kind of tell where no one's in a place like that, but you know, behind the scenes, they could be. So it's, I don't know how to, the toughest thing is to find a way to start a conversation for someone that you don't even know has, has issues with it when you don't know if they do or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and with that, like, it's super important to check on your friends, check on your check homies. On yeah. homies. Check and, on your uh, homies. Because you never know if what people are, people are either um, keeping to themselves or sharing with you, just checking up on them is always helpful. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I've gone through periods where I have a lot of stress with work um, and sometimes I'll compartment like hold it in um, internally. Sometimes I'll share it out. It can really go either way, depending on, you know, like how, how I'm feeling, but I know I need to manage it, right? Or else it's, mm-hmm. it can get worse or it can affect my attitude or my day. Um, so just trying to like, you know, manage it sooner versus later is how I do that. And I, you know, would prefer to talk about it, but you, so, sometimes you just got to reach out and check on your friends if they're sending one word messages. Just yeah, call them, <laughs> those, will, like, those will get you. Those, yeah, will get you. That. those will get you. No, but it's also even reading a room, right? Where it's, if, if someone doesn't seem right or, you know, they're quieter than they usually are or it just doesn't seem like the same person, actually asking them about that opposed to telling the other guy, yo, he doesn't seem right, right? Yeah. That'll probably be a benefit. And I think we're guilty of doing that too, where if someone doesn't feel right, we'll be looking at each other like, oh, why is he being so quiet or why is he not, you know, being himself? Like, it's weird, like, he's weird. But, you know, instead of doing that, we should probably actually have a conversation opposed yeah. to saying what we were saying usually. Yeah, I mean, the I, that's the biggest thing with mental health and that's the biggest issue and everything around it is like you said, exa- both you had said exactly is that someone could be putting on a really happy face, but then deep down they could be really struggling inside. And I think, Jonathan, you said you didn't know any stats, but I think I know one stat off the top of my head and it's, I don't know the number obviously, but it's just males. And I guess this kind of goes to show the course of mental health in males versus females is that when males like males have a higher suicide rate, okay? And this is because um, males find it harder to find people to talk to about it. So they keep it inside and then they end up, it builds up, they can't handle it, and then they decide to take their life. Um, Also, males tend to use more um, serious methods to take their life than a female. So that being like a male is more likely to hang himself rather than like a female or something like that. So I think that also goes to show just the way men interpret um, mental health, the way it's perceived and kind of the way that they express it all comes down. And I think it all comes down to the stigma that surrounds it. And unfortunately it it's not talked about enough, but I think like we had said earlier, we are coming to a point where we are trying to talk about it more. I mean, with my podcast, I am a female, so I cannot talk on men's mental health directly. However, that's why I try and incorporate some males to kind of get that perspective, because obviously I, it's equally, if not more important than females mental health right now, because of how overlooked it is. Um, so this kind of leads me to um, maybe one or two last questions. This first question being, what are some things you would do to help a friend who is struggling and be there for them? I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, every, every situation is different. And if you can kind of, if you know what's going on or if you, if you know why they're feeling this way, 
I think it makes it easier for you to understand what's going on. But I think a lot, at the end of the day, all you can really do a lot of times is just is just listen, really. Because um, sometimes you don't always have to talk. Like I talk a lot. So maybe a lot of times it's you know, not talk as much as I usually do and listen to the other person. So that's that's very important, I think. Because without that, then you don't really know what anyone's dealing with. You kind of just sit there and speculate. So listening yeah. is huge. Listening is huge. Uh, Jonathan, you got anything else? Yeah, like, you know, I've seen a mix, like, as we've talked about, we've seen like a mixed bag of people's responses towards how they handle mental health or, you know, what's impacting their mental health. So, you know, always lending an ear and listening is, is super important. You, you know, you don't always have to have to talk again. Like I haven't had any um, crazy impacts to my mental health. So I don't, I won't always know what someone else is going through. So if anything, I'm doing them a, you know, a disservice by telling them like what to do. I, I think the, the best I could offer is just listening, hearing them out, you know, offering maybe some tips um, or, or like suggestions or just, you know, having a conversation, mm -hmm. letting them kind of have a conversation with me versus the other way around um, yeah. would really be the well, best. Uh, yeah. And also not suffocating them either, you know, just letting them have their space if they want it. But if they want to talk, you have that doors open opposed to just constantly, you know, going to them when they probably don't want to speak to you at the time, but just, just letting them understand that, Hey, you know, this is, you have someone here who will listen if you need to talk. Yeah. Sometimes it's good just to like surround yourself with people who have, have a good mental health or do have a positive attitude. Like, you know, Raza can always put a smile on my face. So if I'm ever feeling oh, stressed, like I'll just FaceTime him or, uh, and things better, you know, no, but like, I think if, if, you, if you surround yourself with the right people, it, I think that really, you know, does do good for you. And um, if you are struggling um, and you are feeling that your mental health is being impacted, then, you know, put yourself in front of the right people, even if you just want to talk to them, or even if you, know, you just both want to like sit there, um, a friendly face is, um, can do more good for you. For sure. Everything you guys had said is more than enough that you can do. Obviously, checking on your friends, like Jonathan had said originally, check on the homies. Also, just like you had also said, kind of just giving an ear, not overwhelming them. Because I know as somebody who struggles with anxiety, sometimes when I am having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, and Jonathan, you could probably say, agree to this or whatever, um, when I'm at home and I'm having a panic attack, the last thing I want to do is talk to somebody. And the last thing I want to do is have somebody talking to me. So a lot of the time, just having someone sit there and just knowing that somebody is there kind of just takes a weight off my shoulder. Even if they're not talking, just sitting in silence, knowing that I'm not alone takes a weight off my shoulder. Also, just having an ear to talk into and basically just go off rant and then just sit there and listen. And then when I'm done talking, say like, hey, maybe you could do this, maybe try this, not really trying to pretend like they know everything, but rather they're just like obviously enforcing the fact that they're trying to help you look out for you and all those things. So I think it's so nice that you guys are able to pick out these important things because these are obviously the things you said were easily the most important things to me, at least when I am struggling with my mental health. Yeah. So with that being said, with um, that any, though, before, yeah. yeah, before moving over, like, I think it's also good to be proactive with mental health as well like it's not just like coping with it managing it during 
um, the impact, but also, you know, managing it for, you know, the longer part of our life. Like we're all still young. We have many, many, many years ahead of us. Um, and, and it's all about like just setting ourselves up to be, you know, long-term healthy. And a lot of that can come down to your diet, like a healthy body is a healthy mind. Um, a lot of that can come down to organization, exercise. Mm-hmm. It can come down to, you know, medication, meditation. There's so many different ways to, you know, manage certain things. You, you know, you can't maybe not manage everything. Some things may, might be uncontrollable, but there are ways right. to just manage, you know, small things and those things build up. Like, even if it's just, you know, starting your day off right or, or ending the day off right, or, you know, just st- having those conversations or sitting with the right people and just making a habit yeah. out of it, it really does help <laughs> for the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like surrounding yourself with the right crowd not a place where it's you know it's toxic or it's, it's going to make you feel crappy after you're done with it right surround yourself with the people you can actually have a conversation with and who've you know who actually care about you know where you're at opposed to you know, trying to be somewhere you know the popular group or just to try to fit in somewhere i think surrounding yourself is, is, is very very important you know surrounding yourself with the right people not just surrounding yourself. <laughs> yeah like i like i've been fortunate you know i've had i have a really yeah. strong group of friends uh, really close and strong group of family um, because of my mom and my dad. So, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate and I'm going to, you know, take that to use the most out of that. But then I also offer that up to my friends as well. You, you know, you bring your social circle together. Like Raz is really close with my family. All my friends are really close with my family. So there's, it's a pretty clean linkage there where uh, we can all kind of talk to each other or all listen in if, if we need help. Yeah, yeah, your support system is huge. Like you had said, Jonathan, you're very lucky with your support system. And with me, I'm as someone who is who does struggle and like continues to struggle with their mental health. My support system is my reason I get through it all and my reason to keep going. And it's also my biggest reason for starting the podcast my goal with it was to be that support system for other people. I appreciate the people around me so much that I'm taking what they have given me and I'm trying to give it to other people. Your support system is so important that it speaks volumes because it's everything that mental health talks about. It's reaching out, it's being there for others, it's checking in on your friends. And it's not just checking in on your friends in the moment, like Jonathan had said, it's about being proactive about it. So checking in on your friends in the future, you may have checked in on them one day and they said they were having a crap day and then you got over it and it's fine, but that doesn't mean that they won't have a crap day in the future. So checking, right. so continuously just, just be consistent, um, be there for your friends, your family, strangers, mm-hmm. most importantly, people you don't know of are the people that you don't know the struggles the most. So obviously you want to check in on those people. But before we kind of conclude it all, do you guys have any tips and tricks for the people listening or? I would say talk to your mom because <laughs> your, your mom always knows when something's kind of off. And I think I'm guilty of not ever talking about anything going wrong in my life. I always try to be, you know, make sure everything's perfect and great and I'm happy and everything like that. And then I could act like that and my mom will have one, take one look at me and be like, okay, what's going on? Like something's off, tell me. And even when you don't want to talk about it and, you know, you see someone noticing that and you talk to them with your mom who you know, will love you endlessly no matter what you do, 
is very important and they can kind of, you know, change your day or, and if you don't want to talk to your friends about it, your parents are right there. And moms are always exceptionally good at, at talking if you need it. Yeah, I didn't talk about my mom earlier, so I thought I'd talk about my mom. Now. <laughs> nice, nice. In case she's listening. Another good one are, is puppies. You just got a puppy. Yeah. And you definitely say it brought the anxiety level down for some people. Um, there's even like, pretty sure there's like yoga classes that you can like have puppies running in the room around too. So, uh, there's got to be some correlation there between positive attitudes mm-hmm. and puppies, you know? So yeah. whatever that is, my, my tip or trick or you know whatever you want to call it would be to just find those things that you know put a boost in your day it could be small things like you know having a to-do list and checking the box to box to say you did it it could be you know playing with puppies it could be you know whatever that just helps keep a positive attitude throughout the day um and yeah those those would definitely be my my yeah Yeah, Yeah. just keep pushing keep going if something bad happens you know, everything happens for a reason. I, that's the one thing I believe so strongly more than anything else. And that helps. It helps you push through because, you know, something bad happens, something traumatic happens, something that isn't, you know, according to plan happens. You, there's a reason behind it. And it'll, it'll kind of show itself eventually. And just keep going. Like, you know, every day, every day is a blessing. Makes you and just to keep moving forward. <laughs> every day is a blessing. And I agree with everything you guys had said. Um I think a common thing among all the people who have come on the podcast is a lot of the tips and tricks that you can do to help. And it's always kind of find things you love and do the things that make you happy. Um, Get a dog that definitely helped us or talk to your mom. I know talking to my mom helps me a lot. Um, also Jonathan had said a to-do list. I personally, when January came around, I had incredible amounts of anxiety just about the fact that another year was starting and sometimes new years freaks me out. So I've kind of got into a routine of writing a schedule the night before, um, my day starts and then waking up and waking up nice and early and kind of staying on that routine. And that's helped reduce my anxiety significantly. I know my roommate does the same. So if that helps for us, then I'm sure it'll help for many other people just getting in a routine during such a disorganized phase of our life. Other than that, thank you, Jonathan and Raza so much for coming on the podcast. I'm very happy that you guys decided to come on and share your experience and yeah thank you thank you for having us we appreciate all you do (laughs) anytime okay well that's it okay bye (laughs) (laughs) okay bye you're the start of seven or eight okay Okay, we're gonna add these in as bloopers at the end two three oh it's recording anyway so just go (laughs) Uh, okay bye yeah Thank <laughs> you.